0: Good morning, everyone. I hope you have a wonderful day. We are Today we're going to dedicate our class to... Um, complete y- uh, Yitzhak Yaakov, Akon, Ben, ben Basha Yachne. Basha to have a complete recovery, a miraculous, speedy, full recovery. So we're up to the fourth chapter in Ksuvah, page 48A, uh, by the two dots. 48? Yeah. Nah. Seven A on the top, Good. so it says. It says in the Mishnah. It says in the Mishnah that the father is entitled to see Dea. That her um, her earnings, Where do we know this from? How do we know that the earnings of the daughter belongs to the father? It says. It says in the Pasuk. It says in, in the book of Exodus in Mishpatim a person has the right to sell his daughter as a maid. just like the maid her earnings belongs to her master. Avso baso too daughter, the earnings belong to the father. So he's selling. You selling your right, he's selling it to the master. Instead of her earnings working for me, she's gonna work for you. Okay, about says, wait a minute, hey man, say that's only true of a minor below the age of bas mitzvah before she reaches puberty because when does the father have the right to sell her as a maid, only a minor? The moment she turns, she hits puberty, she turns bas mitzvah, she goes free. So where do we know that the father has the rights of her earnings even post-puberty for the next six months till the age of 12 and a half? Till she becomes a big since he can sell her night but a after she reaches puberty she becomes turns about mit turns to you can no longer sell her I was a mighty though now her earnings belong to herself to herself how do you know that even those earnings belong to the father see but it says I don't need a source a scriptural source it makes sense logical the via that belongs to the father why Mm -hmm. because if you're going to say that the father the earning her earnings do not belong to the father so how but we learned the father has a right to marry her off Mm -hmm. how could he marry her off she's busy working he has a right to marry off against the will Against the will. So she says, I'm busy working. I'm earning money for myself. We, no, I'm sorry. You're getting married today. <laughs> how could he... How could he <laughs> he's depriving her of her earnings. So obviously, because it doesn't matter. Her earnings belong to the father. So he has a right to tell her, he's, you're not working today. You're coming to the wedding hall. You're getting married. He asked, how do you know what kind of proof is that maybe the tailor gives him the right to marry off his daughter and he indeed has to pay her for, 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 for that days of a of lost work or for, or for the Shabbat brachas the seven, the seven days of lost work he has to pay her he has to compensate her who says he doesn't Inami or the maybe he handed over at night when she's not working he has a nine-to-five job. At night, she's not working. He says, you're getting married tonight. When you come home, I'm, taking it, I'm going to the wedding hall. So he's not depriving her of any work. the <laughs> Maybe he's handing it over on Shabbos and Yom Tif. Even though we learned in Moed Katan, if you remember, you're not allowed to get married on Yom Tif, even a Cholom Moed. Because it says, You should rejoice in the holiday and not with your wife and you're not allowed to mix one joy with another joy and it's not just a, an asmachta; it's actually biblical so Teisvitz says we're talking about it here what he means here Yom Tev, Shabbos Yom, means a, an hour before Shabbos an hour before Yom Tif. so you're not working anymore because there's a concept of Teisvitz you have to add to the Shabbos you have to add to the Yom Tif. so you have to already yeah, stop right. working before Toshish but Shabbos. it's not Shabbos yet so it's not Simcha B'Simcha you're not allowed yeah. to work but it's not really Shabbos Therefore, I can marry you then or maybe we're talking about a marriage without a meal. You're not allowed to make a celebration. You can't mix one joy with another. But I'll make a marriage without without, without the celebration. We're just going to get married. All you need is two witnesses. Give her a ring and then marry her. Or ten ten people, a minion and a chup and you're, you're good to go. You don't need a whole... Even though it's also called simcha, just getting married is a simcha, it's not just the meal, not just the food, the catering, it's the meal. But nevertheless, it's not to the extent, it's not the level of simcha that you can't mix it with a yamtif. The level of yamtif means you're making a whole celebration, you're making a ball, you're making a feast, you can't concentrate on celebrating the yamtif and also celebrating the marriage. But just the fact of getting married itself, even though of course, it's a simcha, but that's, that you can do on Shabbos and mm-hmm. Yom Tev itself. So therefore, it's no proof. The fact that Toyota gives the father a right to marry off his daughter doesn't prove that, um, that uh, her earnings belong to the father. I don't need a puzzle to teach me. You said, this isn't the puzzle. That the father has a right to sell his daughter. So if he has a right, just like, just like he can sell her earnings, that means he has a right to the earnings. I don't need a pasuk to teach me that. Why? If he can sell her as a maid, surely he has a right to her earnings. Why do I need a pasuk? I need the pasuk to teach me, even when he can no longer sell her. She goes free once mm-hmm. she reaches puberty and maturity. She reaches the baptism. but nevertheless, for the next six months, when she's a knight, until she becomes a begetter, they were teaching me that the father has a right to her. We learn it from the verse because it could have just said, it should have just said, the person sells his daughter. Why does he have to add as a maidservant? Superfluous extra. So, so, so it comes to teach us to juxtapose that that just like the owner has a right to the maidservant, the father has a right over the daughter. Mm -hmm. So I don't need to come to teach me that the father has the earnings of the daughter. That goes without saying. I don't need a verse to teach me that, an extra word, because if he can sell her, surely he has a right (laughs) over her earnings. You can't give what you don't have. You can't sell that her earnings belong to the master if the father doesn't have a right. So the fact that the title is adding an extra word is coming to teach me in the case of a Anaida, once she reaches Vas Mitzvah in puberty, when she can no longer sell her because she goes mm-hmm. free. But nevertheless, she can still, her earnings still belong to her. The father has a right to nullify her, her vows. I mean, null and the mother says, where do we learn this from? See what it says, it says, in the parish of the, of the vows, Binurea Be'i While in her stage of nidus in the father's house. So it says, Binurea, clearly, Naira, she's a Naira. She's already mature, she's already puberty, she's already bas mitzvah. And she's in the father's house, meaning the father has a right to nullify Vows her, vows her off and all these other things. clearly in the pasic that a father has a right to nullify. I would think that maybe it only applies to a minor, but not once she reaches maturity, then she's on independent, she's on her own. Gotcha. So that's why I need the pasic to say Binodera, that even when she's a knight, he also has the power to nullify her. Mm-hmm. A is Gita, he can, he can receive a get for her. A husband has to give a get to his wife, he can receive the father, can receive a get from her. Minola, where do we know this from? What do you mean? She's already married. Once she's married, she becomes independent. Mm-hmm. So how do we know that he can receive a get from her? So he says, it says that, that she, he goes, she goes out, she's divorced, and and she remarries. So they juxtapose the two together. So just like the father has a right to marry her. So we learn out the father also has a right to receive a get from her. But the father does not consume the produce, the yield of his daughter's property in her lifetime. Unlike the husband, the husband gets to eat all of the earnings of her property, not the father. Yes, her work, her earnings, but not of her property. The rabbis learn. The father doesn't consume the produce of his father, or daughter's property uh, while she's alive. Of course, when she dies, the father inherits her property. He argues. He says, no, father does consume the produce. What are they arguing about? Why did the rabbis enact that the husband gets to eat the fruit the yield, the earnings of her property, because if not, him came him never lay Because otherwise, he won't redeem her. She gets into a messy situation, and she ends up in prison. So he's going to redeem her if he gets something out of it. So it's like a quid pro quo. So if you say that he can eat from her property, so because of that, he'll also redeem her. What rationale is there? What reason is there? Why should the father eat the field, the yield and the fruit of, of, of his daughter's property? The because you worry that maybe if the daughter gets into trouble, the father won't bail her out. Mm-hmm. You know, in the olden days you used to have bail. You had to pay bail. So the father won't put up the bail because he's upset that he didn't he doesn't get anything from his daughter? he loves her it's his daughter it's unconditional love he'll take care of her he'll bail her even if he if it's quid pro quo he's not looking for it he doesn't need a transaction with a husband or wife it's a transaction you know i will take care of you and you take care of me um, but here is no transaction the father even the father gets nothing it's one way the father will anyway redeem her so why in the why but that's why the rabbi said there's no reason for us to give this right to the father that he should be able to eat all of her her produce. Rabbi 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 Sabhud argues he holds The father will also won't won't redeem won't bail out his daughter. Why? Savar he'll hold Kisa Nikita She has a, she has a purse full of money. She has a trust. She inherited from her mother an estate. And therefore she's rich. She's richer than him. She has more money than him. Today that's usually the case. <laughs> <laughs> so let her, so let her, let her redeem herself. It's the women yeah. and the doctors. Yeah. And yeah. doctors, yeah. And yeah. doctors. So let, let her redeem herself. Let her redeem herself. Why should I spend a dime? So that's why the rabbi's enacted that he gets to if, eat the, if the yield and the produce of her properties. So then if she's in trouble, he will bail her out. Mm-hmm. Quit pro quo. The mother says, the Mishnah says, what if is once she's married, Yisrael, Yisrael, so in addition to all the other rights that the father has over the daughter, yeah. in addition, the husband has an additional rights that he also gets to eat from 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 her produce, from right. all, all of her possession, all of her mm-hmm. property. Not like the father, according to the rabbis. The rabbis learn. What if Kassavala paid his Ksusukele? What if a father wrote he gave his daughter produce, fruits, clothing, utensils, movable items. Mm-hmm. Not, not real estate. She <laughs> evoyed him <laughs> beis- on beis- beis- <laughs> no karka. It oh, will come to her from her father's house. Mason, she dies after she's betrothed, but before the marriage was completed. She dies. <laughs> the husband doesn't inherit it. The husband inherits. He acquires her property, but not property, but not right. Not these items. Rambamson argues. He says, "No, the husband does acquire does acquire these items." Isn't the case where he's clearly spelled out? Obviously, the father spells out clearly that I'm only giving the dowry, only if the husband will marry her, full, complete marriage, and there's no argument that the husband doesn't get it if the if the marriage was never he never completed. But you're talking about it wasn't. He just wrote, I'm giving it to my daughter, if you know, for the future. And then she dies before he completed the marriage. That's an argument that the rabbis and Abnas. The mother says, This argument in Abnas and the rabbis is the argument, the same argument that Ablazim and azari and the rabbis. What's the argument of Abnas and Abnas? We'll learn the Mishnah later on in the tractate. This Armalin is Garsha, a woman who was widowed or divorced it doesn't matter whether she's widowed the divorce from the betrothal or widowed betrothal after the marriage was completed she collects everything she collects from her husband's estate the husband promised the k'suvah the k'suvah is obligated to take care of her after his death or after the divorce so she collects everything, meaning not only the basic suva, uh, which is 100 or 200, mm-hmm. but even the supplements that her husband added. The husband adds to the suva. In addition to the commitment, the obligation that the rabbi said you have to pay, minimum, mm-hmm. he adds more. I'm going to give you more. So all those additions also he has to pay. His estate has to pay. Ablazim Nazari, argues. He says, no, min anis suyyyin gave us hakir. If she's widow the divorce after the marriage is completed, then you're right. Then she gets to collect everything. But if... If Mena if she's widow the divorce from the betrothal, he never completed the marriage, Basula mm-hmm. gave him a sign, then she only takes the basics. 200, if she's a Pesula, if she's a virgin, if, she, if she's a widow, on a, on a, only 100. A Why? The only reason the husband committed all this extra money was only if, he, if they're going to live together. <laughs> if he never got to live with her, he never committed. The state is not is not committed. So the Gemara wants to say, the same here is in our argument. Here, the argument, the rabbi is talking about the husband. The husband is committed. Here, the argument, the rabbi is talking about the father. Where it's the same logic. The rabbi will say, that the that um, that the husband does not acquire she dies, uh, all the money that the father left her. Uh, that the, the 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 father only gave it to him in the condition if they if they're gonna complete the marriage. But who says <laughs> he was like the rabbis. That just like there, the rabbis hold that all the money the father pledged, she, that the husband pledged belongs, she collects everything, even though they never completed the marriage. So, too, whatever the father pledged, also the husband inherits everything. what is it says, no, it's not a comparison. What are you comparing the father's commitment to the husband's commitment? The Kulama really, I'll tell you, Kulaamah. Everyone holds. In the case, in the case of the um, of the husband's commitment, that the you only collect the basic of all the supplementary things that the husband committed to his wife. She doesn't collect if in, they never completed the marriage. Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, nevertheless, here they're arguing. In the case of the father, the father pledged. This is the argument. Man, the one who says that the husband does not merit, that doesn't doesn't get acquire everything the father pledged to his daughter gave to his daughter. Okay, makes sense, consistent. Like a husband and a just like there, when the when the um, the husband pledged. She doesn't collect. So too, whatever the father pledged, the husband doesn't collect if she dies because he never gave it to her with that intent. He only, gave it to, he only gave it to them if they're going to live together. They never completed the marriage. But But the one who says, he holds, he makes a distinction. He says, He says, there, Rabbi Lozeman says that the the items that the husband pledged the day from the husband to the wife, There, the husband only committed if they're going to live together, if they're going to complete the marriage. He's not giving it to her if, she, if she's divorced or, or you know or, or widowed before the marriage is ever completed. <sighs> but the commitment by the bride to the groom, the father, the father of the bride committed to the groom. I feel like Rabbi Azari made it. Even Rabbi Lozeman would agree that if the father has a mind to he totally committed even from the moment of betrothal. Why? Because he wants he wants her him to marry her. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he 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 betrothed her, that he committed himself to her, it's a total commitment, it's a full fledged marriage mean, it's a marriage. So since he committed to her, so therefore he happily gives everything, it belongs to you. So then if she dies, it belongs to the groom. He got married. So the father is happy, so he committed everything. So in this case, it doesn't hold that even a beloved azaria would agree that the husband does inherit. Uh, the father still so happy even during the patroller period? I want you to marry my daughter because I'm giving her a big dowry. So the husband agreed to marry. So he agreed? So it's, so it's, so it's entitled. He's entitled. She went ahead and died at Hashem's hand, so then he's entitled the to that money. Thirty-seven B says in the Mishnah, Chayim. Once a girl is married, the husband is obligated to provide support for her. Support, by the way, is broader. It's not just food. It's, it's, it's also a bed. It's the things that she needs to live. A house. It's all. He has to take care of her. and the rabbis learn Why did the rabbis institute that a husband has to provide for his wife? You know why? Because since he's entitled her earnings, she so has to take care of her. Quid pro quo? It's one for the other. He gets her earnings, so he has to feed her and take care of her. Since when she dies, he has to provide for a burial. So it's it's and what does he get in return? Because of the dowry, the dowry that her father gave her for the marriage, that he will inherit when she dies, so therefore he commits to take care of her, to bury her. When she dies, he's going to bury her. When she dies, he's going to get he's going to get as a substitute, he's going to get the dowry. Therefore, so therefore the husband consumes the produce of his wife's property. Mm-hmm who's talking about fruits we're talking about burial we're talking about dowry we're talking about, uh, we're talking about uh, her earnings and we're talking about her, her uh, taking care of her supporting her What's, who's, who's mentioning fruits of her property it's missing words this is what the price is they gave uh, they enacted the institute that he he has to feed her because what does he get in return? Her earnings. And the instituted that he has to redeem her and bail her out. If she gets in trouble, why will he do that? Why does he get in return? Because in return, he gets to eat all the fruits of her property. And the instituted that he's obligated to bury her after she's dead. He's no longer his wife. Maybe uh, you know, Maybe the the city should take care of her. It's over. (laughs) No, because they gave him. and They gave him because you're going to get the dowry. Therefore, you have to take a a barrier. Therefore, that's why. Because since he's going to have to, since he's going to bail her, that's why he eats the fruit. My leficha. What do you mean? Therefore, you already said clearly in the brayisa. You already said that he gets to eat the fruits of her this because he takes the responsibility of bailing her out. What, what does he conclude? Therefore, after, after he lists the, the, the third thing, that, that because he gets the dowry and that's why he's going to the bury her, therefore he eats the fruits. But so he what explains, you know what he means? Maybe the husband shouldn't consume the fruits. He should put it aside to pay for 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 to, for a ransom or to bail her out because mm-hmm. the imk if you can allow him to consume the fruits maybe when she's captured he won't redeem her because he doesn't have any funds he already ate it he already consumed all of he doesn't have any ready funds maybe you should put aside um, a special rainy day fund. You should take her fruits and put it aside. If anything, emergency, like an emergency. You have to have an emergency fund. If anything happens, she needs bailing out. Take her fruits, okay? Not your money, but take her money, and be a good, a good uh, steward, and put it aside in an emergency fund for for, for exactly emergencies. But if you're gonna say you're gonna eat all those fruits, all the fruits, when the time comes, there's no money. <laughs> it's all gone. So that's where he, he comes and says, no, better, you should eat the fruits. It's so, better. Why is this better? Why is this arrangement better that he gets to eat all of the fruits of her? And then when the time comes and she has to be redeemed, he'll come up with the funds to redeem her. Because sometimes the value of all the produce that he ate from her possessions doesn't add up. Doesn't come to the amount of money, then he needs to bail her out. And therefore, he's going to ransom her out of his own resources. If you're just going to put aside them funds, emergency funds, or whatever is there, is there? If it's not enough money, tough luck, you're going to rot in jail. I'm sorry, I don't have to lay a penny. It's your money, I'm putting aside. But here, since he's eating the fruits, and he doesn't know, he's not keeping calculation, he's not calculating how much fruit, he's not writing down, okay, I ate an apple today and I ate this, you know, three cents here, ten cents here. He's just eating, without any calculation. So then, when the time comes she needs to be redeemed, he doesn't know that he spent more, that he spent less. He just knows he has a responsibility, mm-hmm. in lieu, in return for having, being able to eat all of her produce, of all her possessions. You have that commitment, that responsibility to bail her out. So if it comes out, so at the end of the day, it's it's worth it for her because she'll end up paying more and mm-hmm. end up paying out of his own pocket. We're talking about extra obligations. Extra. Yes. He says, listen I, you know, listen, I married you and I promised to protect you, but you were captive, ransom. I mean, tough luck. What do you want from my life? You yes. died? I mean, it's over. What, uh, why should I still uh, take care of you? He might not want a ransom. Might, now that you might ask, maybe maybe her her. why don't you say the exact opposite? What what makes you so certain that the husband's obligation to support his wife was instituted in return for earnings, and his obligation to redeem her was instituted in return for consuming her produce? Maybe it's the exact opposite. Maybe the institution to support her was imposed in return for for eating her produce, and the, and the, the obligation to redeem her was instituted in return for earnings. Rabbi Baya says, answers it makes sense that the rabbis instituted an obligation which is common, which is to take care of her, support his wife. It's common, it's an everyday thing. So earnings are also an everyday thing. So it makes sense that the everyday earnings, he goes okay. to work six days a week. The everyday earnings is a substitute for the everyday obligation to support his wife but the obligation to redeem her to bail her out if she's in trouble that, that's not common so too a woman should, have, should be wealthier than her husband she, she's an heiress. she has estates mm-hmm. he's eating from the produce it, it's unusual so therefore they institute something that's unusual as a substance of something that's unusual the comment is the tana of the following, but I so hold that obligation to provide support. is biblical. Not like we learned. We just learned that the rabbis instituted that the husband has to support his wife. Usually he can say, listen, you're working. You're working. Support yourself. Two separate bank accounts. Mm-hmm. Some people, when they date that way, you, you pay your check, I pay my check. You better run for the hills with <laughs> such a date. But, you know, a husband is so stingy, you pay for yourself, I pay for myself. You know, it's a precursor of marriage. But he technically can say, listen, you support yourself, I'll support myself, right? If women's live, independence, i be independent. You know, take it to the logical conclusion. You pay for your own way and I'll pay my own way. So, but the rabbi's instituted. It's a rabbinic institution. Mm-hmm. It's not biblical. It's a rabbinic institution, the rabbi's instituted. No, he has to support her. And they get, and, and because of that, they gave him her paycheck. He gets her paycheck. Okay, he goes into his bank account, the earnings, substitute. But the rabbi says, in the following brayso, we say no, that it's biblical. The husband is biblically obligated to, to, to support his wife. Mm-hmm. It's not rabbinic. The will learn the it says, It says in you should marry the maid, and if you marry her. And these are the obligations that you're obligated. Mm-hmm. So the so Reisa spells out Shedah, what's Shedah? Shedah is, is support, food. And it's broader, you have to take care of her. So in other words, redemption. Uh, where do we know that Shedah means food? Support. Yeah. It says, It says in Micha that, that um, who ate my people's She'er their food, that they ate my people's of food. It's talking about the, 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 the officers of Israel, the despots, robbed the people of their sustenance. Mm-hmm. Ksusa, when it says ksusa, means clothing. You have to clothe her. Mm-hmm. You have to, you're obligated to provide clothing for his wife. Ein Nasa. what does ein Nasa mean? Ein refers to intimacy. And it says, Loven says to Yaakov, I warn you, if you're going to withhold intimacy from my daughters, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna afflict them. It's an affliction that you're holding back. You're holding back intimacy." Is. That's what the passing means, that you shouldn't afflict, you shouldn't afflict my daughters by depriving them of intimacy. So too, you're not allowed to deny your wife. That if you if you if you would deprive her, it would be an, uh, an affliction. Mm-hmm. What what is if you deprive her it's an affliction. It's referring specifically to intimacy. Mm-hmm. So the Torah says, nasala You're not allowed to deny something which, if you would deprive her, would be deprive her of it would be an, an, an affliction. Mm. Mm. Rav Loza says, Sheira zuena. Sheira refers to intimacy. Where do we know this, Rav It says, Ish, Ish, is called Sheir Sade Le Sikre it says about by the Royus, by the illicit relationships. It's referred to Sheir Sade Xusa de Mashmore, Xusa means clothing means you have to support it says is, it says in the visit is in, it says in Deuteronomy we just read Shabbos that Hashem afflicted you and he made you hungry so means an affliction what kind of affliction hunger is an affliction so you're not allowed to you're not allowed to withhold food you not legal. you can't deprive her of food which of, of something which if you were deprived would be an affliction so according to him it's also it's also all three things but he just he just interprets a little differently how he interprets the puzzle we continue on 48a rabblezman Yaakov Rab-le-zim-yakib says shader refers to intimacy Ksusa means her clothing, meaning according to her flesh, to her bodily state, you should provide her clothing. Meaning, don't provide the clothing. Don't provide a young woman with older woman's clothing, old styles, out of fashion. Don't give an older woman, a young woman's clothing. Meaning, an old, frail woman. You see, a young woman could wear elaborate clothing that makes her look good, that flatters her. So it's elaborate. In the olden days, a young woman wore elaborate clothing. <laughs> but it's too, a frail woman, it's too, too much for her to carry. She needs uh, the minimum. So he says, don't give the clothing of a wo- an older woman to a younger, wo- a younger woman, and don't give the clothing of a younger woman to an older woman. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean, mm-hmm. according to her flesh. Like we said earlier, you give her clothing according to her age. According to the season. The season of the year. Give her clothing. Don't give new clothing in the summer. Or worn clothing in the winter. In the winter you need new clothing. You need to keep warm. In the summer you don't need new clothing. Even worn clothing it's also good enough in the summer. It okay, doesn't say anywhere that you're obligated to provide for her. He interprets all three things as referring to clothing. What kind of clothing? Give her according to, according to the flesh, young or old, and according to the season. He's only talking about clothing. But he brings at the sefta, Titus brings at the sefta, the sefta says, according to B'lazim Yaakov, it's also biblical. Because he says, you don't need a Pasek. It goes without saying. If he has to provide for clothing, which you don't need clothing to live, how much more so? Food. You can't live without food. If he has to provide for clothing. Mm-hmm. He's going to clothe her and she's going to die of hunger. I mean, surely he has to feed her. Mm-hmm. And if you have to provide for clothing and food, how much more so? Intimacy. That's what marriage is all about. Why did you get married? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the essence of marriage. It goes without saying. So surely you're biblically obligated. He's just interpreting what the pasuk is referring to, the words of the pasuk are referring to. Okay, let's just conclude. Taner Rabi Yasef, learned. Shadow Zukirubasa. means intimacy of the body. Meaning ba minig parsiim. You shouldn't act like the manner of Persians. <laughs> or habit with the clothing on. The hole in the sheet is a Persian Baba It's not the Jewish way. You're not allowed to do it. If someone says he big if a husband says it, I'm only going to be intimate if we're both clothed, a hole in the sheet. Yoytzi, he has to divorce her and he has to pay her all of her rights. Mm-hmm. He has to be flesh and flesh, body and body. And uh, that's the way of intimacy. You have to become like one. So that's what the passage is saying. She'era, it has to be the flesh. Mm-hmm. It's not enough just. Also, it also has to be how? The Torah is telling us how it has to be. Right. say that the Braiser Rabbi Yosef is quoting, is following the opinion of Rabbi Lazar. Rabbi Lazar said, Sheirah doesn't refer to food. Yeah. Sheirah refers to intimacy. Inaza refers to food. But he's just explaining why does the Torah use the Torah should have said should have said a different language. Why does he say Shaira? He's coming to teach us how we have to be intimate. It has to be flesh and flesh. Others say no. Maybe the B'raiser of Yosef is quoting there's no biblical source for support. He's just talking about who uh, um, and there's no biblical support. Maybe that's the source for the B'raiser that we learned earlier that supporting your wife is a rabbinic institution. There's no biblical source that a husband has to support his wife. Mm-hmm. Who would ever think a husband is a rabbinic institution? She's independent. Mm-hmm. And she's... A, it's, a, it's a rabbinic institution. Is it to be possible? continued. Everyone have wonderful